Let's take a moment to pray together. Heavenly Father, we come to this place handing over our hearts to you, handing over the week, the six days, Sunday through Friday, God, we just are laying it down. So Lord, today as we talk about Sabbath, I pray that you help us to see it through your eyes, that we see that this day of rest is at the heart of your word, God, that it's at the heart of creation, that it's at the heart of who we are and how we live. So God, I pray um, a blessing over all of us now that we hear your word spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. So exactly one month after, thank you, after Kiefer and I were married, we got into a fight. Yes. But obviously now that we've been married almost seven months, we don't fight anymore. It's pretty, it's pretty wonderful. No one told me that seven months was the mark that you could look forward to. Um, but there was this one fight exactly one month after we got married. And how do I know it was it exactly one month? Well, because it was on our one-month anniversary. It was a couple of days before Thanksgiving, and Kiefer's family was here um, to visit and to celebrate that holiday with us. And I had taken that morning, that opportunity, to head over to the office to get my social security um, changed over and my new name. It was going to be the first time I debuted the name Jessica Dooley. I was really excited. So I went to the office in Louisville, and I thought it would be a little calmer and cooler there. Um, and it was actually a quite pleasant experience. If anyone needs to do anything, Louisville is your place to go. So I grabbed my little ticket number, and I sat down, right, and I had all my papers all filled out, all organized, and in a manila envelope. And I know this makes me sound super organized, but I'm not. It took me months later to get my passport changed and everything else. Um, so I'm sitting in this office, and I realize it's not as crazy as I thought it would be. And I would probably be done a little bit sooner than I thought I would be done. So I gave Kiefer a call, and I asked if he wanted to meet up at the Starbucks that was close by. And I thought this would be nice because we had a full house. We had our room, our living room, people everywhere. Um, we had Kiefer's parents' dog staying with us. So it was a full house. So I thought this would be really nice for us to be able to have a little mini date to celebrate our one-month anniversary. I thought it was really sweet. So I got to Starbucks a little bit earlier than him, and I even got him his newest favorite drink, which was a London Fog with coconut milk. And I just thought I was winning like Wife of the Year awards here. Um, so Kiefer gets there, and he sets his bag down on the chair, pulls out his laptop from his briefcase, slaps it down on the counter, and proceeds to start doing work, like checking all his emails, doing everything like that. And he's just typing away on his computer, right? Not even paying me any mind. No thank you for the drink, nothing, right? So he's just... And so I got really frustrated right away, immediately. I didn't even give any time to, you know, kind of assess the situation. And we had a little fight. I tried prompting Kiefer um, this past week, asking if he remembered our one-month anniversary. I was like, do you remember what we did? No, not really. Um, do you remember around what time that was? What holiday? Oh, yeah, Thanksgiving. Yeah, my parents were in town. Okay. You know, did we go anywhere? Oh, I don't really, I finally had to just tell him. Um, apparently he's blocked this out of his mind. Um, and what we were fighting about, he said, 
when he finally realized, he said, oh yeah, that was a classic miscommunication. And he said, just wait till I get the chance to preach. I'll get to tell my side of all these stories. But then he said, but I really don't remember all of them, so I guess I'll just have to make them up. So just so you know, if Kiefer ever tells a story, it's all a lie. Anyways, it really was a huge miscommunication because Kiefer did not think it was our anniversary. When I told him why I was upset, he looked confused, like tr truly puzzled. And I proceeded to tell him, hey, it's the 21st, our anniversary. To which he replied, but it's not Sunday, okay? We got married on a Sunday, so in Kiefer's mind, our anniversary always had to lie on a Sunday. Long story short, I had to educate him about how birthdays are on a specific date, not a specific day of the week. And so I think we've cleared it up now, Kiefer, yeah? He's still a little iffy, so if someone can help him out, that'd be great. Um, but it's our cultural and our human nature to celebrate important dates. And Sabbath is one of those special dates that we keep as followers of Jesus. And I wanna say followers of Jesus because as Adventists, I worry that we think it's exclusively for those who attend church on Saturdays, right? Just coming to church on Saturdays. Sabbath was created for humanity and was instituted long before there were church buildings, choirs, and pastors. Sabbath was created as a rhythm of life for earth and its inhabitants. So let's go back to the very beginning into the creation story. Um, if you wanna grab a Bible, open your phone's app, um, we're gonna go to Genesis, and we're gonna be looking at chapter one and chapter two. So if you wanna take a peek there, it should be at the very beginning of your Bible. So in chapter one of Genesis, we, we find the creation of our world and everything in it. God creates the sky and the earth. He brings light into the darkness. He divides the light and the darkness and names day and night. God divides the waters. He makes dry land. He causes earth to produce plants of all kinds. He creates the sun and the moon. He fills the land and the sea with creatures. Then he makes man in his own image to rule over it all. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the animals on the ground. Each day, morning and evening passed. By the time God had done all of his creating, six days had passed. Every single day, he looked at what he had made and noted that it was very good. As we lead into chapter 2 of Genesis, we find ourselves at the seventh day. And if you follow along in verse 1, and I'm also reading from the International Children's Bible, so if it sounds a little different, that's why. It says, so the sky, the earth, and all that filled them were finished. By the seventh day, God had finished all the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it a holy day. He made, it a he made it holy because on that day he rested. He rested from all the work he had done in creating the world. The Sabbath is an institution dating to the foundation of our world. So if we head to our text um, in Exodus, so now you can flip 
forward a little bit, Exodus 20, you land yourself in the middle of the Ten Commandments. And I actually have a fond memory of when I learned the Ten Commandments. I was in elementary school. It was either at school or church because sometimes as kids you really can't tell the difference. Um, and they told us that if we could memorize the Ten Commandments word for word, they would give us $10. And to like a child to elementary school, I felt like that was like $100. And so I was really excited, but I'm a bit embarrassed to say I did not get the $10. It was just not in, my, in the cards for me that day. But in these commandments, as we get to the fourth one, we are told to remember. Remember. This is the only commandment that begins with this charge to remember. Why? Because the Israelites who received these Ten Commandments already knew about the Sabbath. So if you flip over with me in your Bibles to Exodus 16, a couple chapters back, we find the Israelites grumbling in the wilderness. And I feel bad because we often paint the Israelites as kind of whiny, which I mean they definitely are. But just put yourself in their situation, okay? You might be a little whiny too. I know I get a little bit hangry when I haven't eaten in a while. So imagine you're out in the wilderness super hungry. You'd be a little whiny too. So Moses had told the Israelites that God will provide food. God did, and it came in the form of thin flakes on the ground, or manna as they called it. Moses told them not to keep any of it to eat for the next day, right? He said, just get what you need for today. That's it. Of course, some of them were probably freaked out that they might not get food again, right? And so they kept some of it, but it turned super gross and nasty, and it was full of worms and began to stink. And Moses got mad at them. I mean, it's kind of a common theme. Whining, they disobey. Moses gets a little frustrated. God sets everyone straight. So verse 22 in Exodus 16 tells us, On the sixth day, the people gathered twice as much food, So all the leaders of the community came and told this to Moses. And Moses said, this is what God commanded. Tomorrow is the Sabbath, the Lord's holy day of rest. None of the extra food they gathered that day rotted the next. Moses told them, eat the food you have gathered yesterday. Today is the Sabbath, the day of rest. In this chapter, we still find the Israelites kind of checking outside on Saturday to see if any food fell, not completely trusting in God, but they finally got it and began to rest on the Sabbath. Moses shared with the people that God had commanded them to save some of this manna for their descendants. They could see the food that God had given them to eat that he did not desert them, and that he rescued them from Egypt and provided for them. The Israelites ate this manna for 40 years. For 40 years, they knew that on Saturday, you didn't have to go search for food. They knew that they could rest on this holy day and set it apart. When this commandment says to remember, it's pointing the Israelites to their history and how God has provided for them before. They are to remember that in the most trying times, you need the rhythm of Sabbath. Even in the desert, you need Sabbath. Even in crisis mode, you need Sabbath. But do we understand that? Even in our most stressful and trying times, we need Sabbath. Even in our busiest weeks, when nothing seems to be getting done, We need Sabbath. 
There is no season too busy in your life to neglect the Sabbath, to neglect this holy day of rest. If the Israelites, people who had slaved seven days every single week, and that was just their culture, their rhythm, and they had been marched out of Egypt and now felt like they were starving to death, if those people could learn to Sabbath, you can learn to Sabbath, I can learn to Sabbath in whatever season of life we're in. As we've already read a handful of times, we can see that the Sabbath and rest are joined right at the hip. And that's really good news. Because looking at a few of you, you look a little tired. <laughs> and I look a little tired sometimes too. Kiefer and I have been traveling a lot for the past couple months, and we've been really tired. Some of it's been for work, some of it's been for graduations, weddings, really great stuff. But this has been the first week that we have been home for more than a few days in a row. And it's been incredible. Like getting to sleep in your own bed after a while is wonderful. When we were in Australia, we were sharing a twin size bed, which I don't recommend. Um, we decided that's never going to happen again. Um, but I've been falling asleep well before 10 and waking up in the morning feeling so refreshed because I needed rest. So when we look to this commandment in Exodus, it reminds us that Sabbath is about resting. But it isn't just about you or me and our rest. It's also about others and their rest. The commandment reads, but the seventh day is a day of rest to honor the Lord your God. On that day, no one may do any work, not you, your son or daughter, your men or women slaves, neither your animals nor the foreigners living in your cities may work. It almost makes a bit of sense that this day is a day of rest for people, right, humans. But how many of you have thought about the theological implications that Sabbath has for your pets? Anyone? No? Oh, <laughs> you know. I know this sounds really silly, but um, I feel like Kiefer and I can kind of gauge on how well we're resting on that Sabbath based on the day, the kind of day Patty, our dog, is having. Um, on a normal week, she comes with us to the office, which, don't get me wrong, she absolutely loves it because she gets so much attention. We have people who actually come in, and they, like, pet her, and then we're like, hey, what, did you need something? And they're like, no, we just came to see the dog. Um, so we're like, thank you. <laughs> nice to see you, too. Um, but as much as she loves the office, she loves the weekend because to her, that means more walks, more playing outside. Last night, to start the Sabbath, we even went over to the Soapman's home and she got to have a play date with her favorite dog, Charlotte. It was so great. Even the dog's Sabbaths are special, okay? And I think it's important to note here that Sabbath is for all of creation. The Sabbath is a call for everyone and everything to rest. It's not just followers of Jesus who believe in taking time to rest though, right? Or a complete day of rest, that's what we're seeing. How many of you have heard of a siesta? Oh yes. How many of you have taken a siesta in the past year? Oh, good for you. I think we need more siestas in this world. But a siesta um, is something that's common in Greece, Italy, the Philippines, Costa Rica, Mexico, Ecuador. Um, Nigeria, and maybe even your offices, so you never know. Um, a siesta is an afternoon rest or nap. It's technically about 20 minutes of sleep, and it's common in the areas of the world where it's extremely hot in the mid-afternoon, and it would make it unbearable to go outside, so they go inside and nap. 
However, this has become an increasingly popular thing in the US and everywhere with companies like Google, Zappos, Nike, Ben & Jerry's, who believe that being nap-friendly can increase productivity of their employees. That's just one example, but there are so many more. Many companies are trying out something called shorter work weeks um, or shorter work days even. There are many businesses and countries experimenting with less time in the office. Countries doing this have shown an increase in their employees' moods and even in productivity. In March of last year, Andrew Barnes, founder and CEO of a New Zealand company called Perpetual Guardian, began to experiment with his financial services company. He cut the weekly hours down from 40 to 32 and cut days at work from five days at work till four days at work for all 240 of his employees. At the end of a six-week trial, employees reported a 24% improvement in work-life balance and a 7% decrease in stress levels. Team engagement was up on an average of 20%, and supervisors were reporting more creativity, better attendance, increase in timeliness, less leaving early, which, I mean, if you're getting off early already, you should leave, not leave early, and fewer long breaks. By October of 2018, Perpetual Guardian had decided to permanently adopt the eight-hour-per-day, four-day work week. It's noted that productivity is highest with 40 or fewer hours of work per week. The CDC, or Center for Disease and Control, um, studies link overwork to increased rates of illness, increased rates of injury and death, as well as weight gain, increased ten tendencies to abuse alcohol and smoking. A Swedish nursing home reduced nurses' hours from eight hours during the day to six-hour shifts in a trial on the health implications of these shorter, shortened workdays. And the six-hour crew increased productivity while they were at work, reported overall increase in mood and outlook, and took less six days than other eight-hour per week or per day counterparts. So, I mean, you're probably thinking, what do I have to do to get this six-hour six workday going on for me? Um, another study, National Geographic, in 2005, cited that Seventh-day Adventists in Loma Linda had a longer lifespan and they list the practice of Sabbath as one of the reasons for their good health. Benjamin Franklin said, he that can take rest is greater than he that can take cities. Corporate leaders, as listed above, say rest is necessary for maintaining or increasing their productivity in their offices. Doctors say rest is necessary for physical health. There's a doctor called Matthew Sleet, He's a former emergency room physician and author of 24-6, a prescription for a happier, healthier life. Sleaf shares in his book about a stop day. Sound familiar? He says that a stop day is a day you really cease from your labors. This really comes in Western cultures from the Ten Commandments. The Fourth Commandment tells us to remember the Sabbath, and he said the word Sabbath simply means to cease to cease from your labors. Now the definition of labor has changed over the centuries and the millennia. For some people, resting from their labors might mean resting from their, their work job where they just sit and do nothing all day but sit at a computer. And that might mean putting on tennis shoes and going for a run for them. 
For those who work physically, that may mean really coming to rest their bodies. In his book, 24-6, he says, I don't try to define what rest is for a person, but I ask you to figure out what work is for you and don't do it that one day of the week. Athletes say a rest day is necessary for their physical training. Philosophers say rest is essential for the mind. Leonardo da Vinci said, every now and then, go away, have a little relaxation, and when you come back to your work, your judgment will be sure. Another philosopher said, take rest. A field that has rested gives a bountiful crop. God shows us that rest for the body, mind, and soul in relation to him is essential to a healthy life. Our hearts and our souls need rest just as much as our hands and our feet do. You need to Sabbath your mind, your heart, your soul every week. We're a culture of go, go, go. People say the millennial generation is the most anxious generation to date. It's not uncommon for people to work seven days a week, to hold more than one job, to exceed their 40 hours a week of working, to not stop for days or weeks on end. We're a culture that prides ourselves on being busy. But being busy, even if it's something productive, for more than six days in a row, isn't something God calls us to do. It's just not. He calls us to Sabbath, or in the Hebrew, the word Shabbat. And Shabbat means, like we heard from the doctor, to cease or to stop. And we don't seem to be very good at stopping. Um, Some of us aren't good at making complete stops at stop signs. Yeah, I can be guilty of it. You know who you are. Um, Some of us aren't good at stopping after one episode on Netflix, and then we end up binging, binge-watching one to four seasons of a show. You know who you are. Some of us aren't good at stopping our work. Some of us aren't good at stopping our workout or cleaning routines for our homes or our bodies. You name it, we're just not good at stopping. When I was a kid, you know, back in my day, The remote control of the TV used to have a pause button, right, the two little lines. used to have a play button, the little sideways triangle, and it used to have a little square, a little stop button, right? How many of you guys used to have a stop button? How many of you guys have a stop button on your remote now? Oh, Kevin, a few people do, because I don't have a stop button on mine anymore. I actually had to look, um, look up on both of our remotes. There's no stop button anymore. I don't know when this changed. I'm sure there's some technical reason for this, but there's no longer a place to stop on your TV. The point is we don't even stop our shows anymore. We simply just pause them. Sabbath isn't a pause day. It's not a kind of stop what you're doing really quick so you can get back to that a second later. It's a real stop. It's a hard reset. We need hard resets. Our brains and our bodies need hard resets. Like when maybe your phone or your computer is malfunctioning, what do people usually tell you? Have you turned it off and turned it back on again? Yeah. Sabbath is a holy space and time to reset, to turn it off and turn it back on again. 
If you've ever experienced um, some kind of natural disaster or some kind of tragedy in your life, you might understand that during that time, your adrenaline kicks in, right? And you kind of go into almost like a warrior mode. You're like, I could handle anything. I could lift this car off a child if I needed to. But then the second someone or something allows you to stop, you completely crumble and fall apart. When I was a kid, my parents had gone on a date night and it was me and my grandma at home. And the house, we, caught, we had a chimney fire and we had a bunch of pets and everything and my grandma's there and I was probably like seven. And I just remember like getting the dogs out, getting our cat out. I had a pet rat, which is kind of weird, but I had to get that thing out. And I remember just being in this mode of get it done, get everyone safe. And the second my mom pulled up, I burst into tears and just fell to the ground. We need to be allowed to stop, to breathe, to feel. We need to allow ourselves to rest. And there is no substitute for Sabbath. You use it or you lose it that week. You can't get time back. Kiefer believes in something called sleep debt. Okay, so sleep debt is when you're not getting enough sleep, right? Let's say you're getting less and less sleep, you're staying up too late or you're getting up too early. Um, and he believes that you can simply sleep for 12 hours one night, wake up, eat breakfast, take a two-hour nap, wake up again in time for like dinner, eat dinner, hang out for a bit, go back to sleep that night, and then you're all caught up by the next morning. It's incredibly easy to rack up sleep debt. It's also incredibly easy to rack up a Sabbath debt, a rest debt, but you can't just simply make it up. Why? Because just like going to sleep every night is a rhythm for our bodies, Sabbath is a rhythm for our lives. But Sabbath's not just a rhythm, or as many Adventists like myself view it, but maybe a pattern. What is the generic Adventist Sabbath, I asked myself. And I thought, this is an easy one. You go to Sabbath school, okay? Because this is generally how it goes. Then you go to church. Then you'll usually have something like a fellowship lunch or a potluck um, or a picnic lunch. Then you can maybe take a nature nature hike, but it can't be too excruciating. Um, then you take a Sabbath nap, and then you just kind of watch the clock tick by until you can resume your normal posture of life, right? So I'm not sure about you, but in my short life, keeping the Sabbath has been equated to going to church, right? And a lot of, a lot of uh, my college friends, whenever they would just go to church, that was, they felt good. They felt like they could check it off their list, right? Sabbath is much more than a building we spend time in from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. So I'm going to say something that might be shocking to you and completely derail everything you've ever learned about the Sabbath before. But going to church does not equal keeping Sabbath, okay? You should go to church, but going to church does not equal keeping Sabbath. And I'm actually going to tell you something else that might be extremely shocking, is that I've learned more about a healthy Sabbath from a non-Adventist than from all the other Adventists I've ever met in my entire life. I know, that's like, how is that possible? Do other people even know about the Sabbath? Oh, it's crazy. But 
There's a pastor um, in Portland, and Kiefer makes fun of me. He says he's my pastor crush, which is true. Um, but now he's also Kiefer's pastor crush. Like, he likes listening to him, too. So we're kind of on the same page, at least. Um, and his name is John Mark Comer. He pastors a church on Sundays in Portland, Oregon. Um, and he's written a book and even produced an entire sermon series at his church on the Sabbath. Yes, I know, it's crazy. And he paints this beautiful picture of how his family celebrates the Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. I know, it's wild. He pastors a Sunday church and keeps the Sabbath. But I'm telling you, this is the first time I've heard of such a beautiful picture of celebration, of rest on the Sabbath. And when I first heard it, I nearly wept because this is the most incredible biblical description of Sabbath I've ever encountered. And I was like, I want that, I need that. He even urges his congregation, his whole church, to be intentional about Sabbath. And he said, even if it feels unnatural at first, turn off your phone, take steps in actually fully resting that day. Their church gathers together weekly, but they also have a huge emphasis on meeting um, in their own communities with the groups of people who go to church. And so each week when they upload the sermon, they also share a small group curriculum focused on incorporating the Sabbath into each individual's life. The question is posed, why is a day of rest important? To which this community answers, the Sabbath is a day blessed by God and set aside for rest and worship. One of the most important practices of Jesus was finding rest and making time for Sabbath. The human condition is prone to restlessness and our digital age and consumeristic culture only exasperates the problem. We must model restfulness of Jesus which is more than just a day, but is a spirit we live by all week long. The day of rest has implications for your life. Not just the day of, but it impacts your Sunday, your Monday, your Tuesday, and so on. Just like the lack of food or sleep can change how you interact with the world around you, lacking in Sabbath can also negatively affect you as well. So maybe you're like me, and. You've never heard of what Sabbath looks like outside the typical church, nap, wait, move on style. Or maybe for you, Sabbath was a list of do's and don'ts for that day. Or maybe you know what it looks like to have a really good Sabbath, but you just feel like you're too busy and life is just too chaotic to even try right now, and you'll do it when life slows down. I'm here to tell you, you need the Sabbath. You need to stop. You need to set this day apart as holy. You need to fall into the arms of Jesus and breathe. You need to have that space and time to weep, to eat, to enjoy, to celebrate, to do what is special. In the four gospels, over half the times Jesus talks about the Sabbath, it's to set people straight on it. Many questions start with, is it lawful to fill in the blank on the Sabbath? And you can see that they are missing the point. They're remembering the Sabbath, right? They know that's the day, but they aren't keeping it. They aren't truly enjoying what God has created to be enjoyed. For people like Kiefer, Sabbath is easy to remember because it falls on the same day of the week, every week. But remembering it is just the half of it, 
right? It's just the half of it. The other half is the command to keep it holy, to celebrate it, to learn how to truly stop, to learn how to rest, to understand and live in a day of stopping. So I want to end with a question that I hope you take to heart and ponder for a while. What would it look like if you didn't just remember the Sabbath, but if you kept it holy, if you genuinely lived in the rhythm of life that God has set up for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that today is Sabbath. And God, some of us haven't stopped in a while. We haven't done a hard reset on our hearts, our minds, our souls in a long time. And so God, I ask today that you help us do that, that you remind us that it's okay to stop that you aren't asking us to be go, go, go people. You're asking us to work hard, but you're asking us to rest hard too. God, allow us this time and this space today to breathe, to fall apart if we have to fall apart, to celebrate if we have to celebrate, but God, ultimately to keep this day holy because you have set it aside and you have blessed it for us. And we are so thankful for that rhythm of life you have set up for us. We're thankful that this is the heart of Jesus, that you have set up Sabbath long before sin entered the world and Sabbath will continue on. We're so thankful and we pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen.